Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kate Norris. And I'm Thomas Craft. Whether you're pitching your business, speaking at a work meeting, or on the stage, we're here to help you present with clarity and confidence. Welcome to episode 38 of the Presentation Boss Podcast. Today we're going to be mostly hearing from Kate. You lucky ducks. Um, the reason for that is... <laughs> Is because we're talking about data visualization, which is kind of my thing. And I've decided that this episode, we're going to talk about choosing the right chart. Uh, 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 the right chart. What? <laughs> Have you, do you know the song? No. What? <laughs> no? I thought you were just making up your own jingle. Oh, oh, have you not seen? Okay. We're going to go watch this at the end of the podcast. I'm going to show you a thing. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, the right chart. (laughs) Data visualization is Kate's thing. That's her specialty within the business. What's going to happen today is I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions around data visualization. Mm -hmm. And Kate's going to do most of the talking and answering those questions. Hmm. So, you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. A couple of times on this podcast, we have mentioned that data visualization is your thing. Uh, What exactly is data visualization? Mm, Okay. I think the way to separate it is to talk about the difference between data analysis and data visualization. So data analysis is where you take raw data. So that might be um, data that's in a table or a spreadsheet, or it might be something a little bit more qualitative, like, um, for example, survey results. Yeah, yep. If you're collecting a stack of surveys. And data analysis looks for the meaning in that. So I would say data analysis is used to generate meaning from data. And then data visualization is used to actually present that meaning, whether that be in a written format, like just a report or something, or in a verbal format, like a presentation. And I think the confusion sometimes comes in with people where sometimes you will use data visuals like charts and graphs. I actually use the word chart and graph pretty interchangeably to actually see and generate that meaning from data. And that's totally a way of doing it. But there is, or at least there should be, a very distinct difference between a chart that looks for meaning and a chart that presents that meaning. And I think to actually answer your question simply, we have to go back one step and understand why do you collect and analyze data? And I think there's only two reasons for that. The first one is to find problems. And the second one is to find opportunities. So the only reason you would look at data, find problems, find opportunities. Yeah, okay. So then to answer the question, what is data viz, it's communicating a problem or opportunity that's been found using data. So what I'm hearing is we collect data because we're looking for some answers. Either we're looking for a problem or we're looking for an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's contained somewhere in the numbers. And that data will be, you know, tabled in, say, an Excel spreadsheet. You then visualize that. So we're, we're making some sort of graph or chart that gives us a visual representation of that table of numbers. And then data presentation is sharing that with other people, sharing that meaning that's pulled out of the visualization. Yeah, yeah, exactly that, yeah. Okay. So we're talking today about finding that right chart to use. Even I know there's so many programs and and different software out there that does beautiful data visualization and graphs and charts and that type of thing. Which of those is the best to use and why? I think that's really the problem is that we look to software for the answer. We think if we just get Tableau or Power BI or or even Excel, it's going to solve all of our problems. I think we overestimate technology in some areas 
and really underestimate it in other areas. I think we overestimate it in things like database. Like you can get all of your data in Excel and it literally takes two clicks and you've got a graph. Yep, yep. And things like Microsoft Office, so all of your Word, PowerPoint, Excel, all of those base programs, they used to be really highly specialized. People used to put on their resume that they're proficient in using a computer. (laughs) Yep, yep. But now it's a very base expectation. Like a few hundred years ago, being able to read and write was a specialized skill. But now it's expected that you can read and write. And technology is a bit the same. Nowadays, it is expected that you can use Word, Excel, PowerPoint, all of those software packages at a base level, which means that literally anyone in the corporate workforce can create a basic chart in Excel. In just two clicks. Literally two clicks. Have a default chart there. Yes. And the problem with that is that you can make the most valuable data, the greatest insights, completely useless. Right. Using a tool incorrectly can actually make things worse, not better. So I think of it like if you're given a hammer, you might be thinking that you're building a house when in reality you're actually just punching a hole in the wall. <laughs> like you, just because you've got a tool doesn't mean that you're using it properly. Like you could actually be making things worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a case of like you can go and buy a really expensive plum hammer, like nice fiberglass thing. But you could probably go to the cheap shop and get a hammer. They'll, they'll both drive in a few nails. If you know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. So what you're saying, Kate, is a fancier software isn't going to give you a better result necessarily, or indeed the software that you choose to use is not really relevant. I think so, yeah. I don't personally favor one software over another. Some of them do beautiful things. Use that. Great. Whatever your personal preference is. Yep. I think of it like a car. You've got to get from A to B. If you want to drive a Lamborghini, fine. If you're happy driving a Camry, fine. Yeah. As long as long as it transports you or for the graph, as long as it communicates the insight and the analysis. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so we're not going to start by choosing which program to use. We're not starting the data presentation process by choosing software. Is that that's right? Yeah. So if you don't start with your software then, what do you start with? I have a very simple answer to this, and it's perhaps not the most obvious answer. And that is, you start with the heading of your graph. Right, okay. Which usually people do at the very end, but I think you should start with the heading. Because your heading of your graph is the main statement that you are trying to make. And the headline's actually really important. There's a lot of studies that have shown that the more powerful your heading helps massively in retention of your message if people are asked a couple of hours, days, weeks after your presentation, what was the main takeaway? The heading is actually what they remember. And then it's just supported by whatever the chart is underneath it. Absolutely. Yep. Right. So consider the difference between these two headings. Um, number of podcast listeners for 2019 or podcast listeners grew by 82% in 2019. Yeah. The second one, podcast listeners grew by 82% in 2019. That's so much more targeted. It doesn't leave as much open for interpretation. Because if you saw the title, just the title, number of podcast listeners for 2019, the questions that come to mind are might be things like, where are our podcast listeners from in the world? Is listenership going up or down? How many did we have at the end of the year? How many did we have at the start of the year? There's all these questions yeah. come to mind. Demographics. All of that, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you start with the statement, podcast listeners grew by 82% in 2019, 
you start to think in a more targeted way and your audience is asking more valuable questions. They're asking things like, what are we doing that's made listens increase? Was there a particular point where listenership increased and where we've got our growth? It almost feels to me like by giving it that heading where you're providing an insight, this is what we take away from the chart and the visualization that sits below this heading. You're really controlling what your audience is wondering about. Like if it's yeah, if it's yeah. that first heading you had, number of podcast listeners in 2019, you could be wondering any of those things. But if it's if you're giving direction around that interpretation by starting with the heading, you're really controlling what your audience is thinking about in terms of that data. Yes, you're controlling that story. So once you've got your headline sorted, then then you can have a think about the design of your chart because then all of your design decisions, um, the chart type, the colors, which elements you're going to include, all of that sort of things, all of those decisions are all made to support the statement that you've made. Yeah, that makes sense. So we really start with that insight, with that message that this data visualization is going to present to people. Yeah. You've picked your headline. What next? Next, you actually kind of need to know what charts are available. Yeah. And you can get some really complex charts. The more experienced that you are, the more charts you will know about. (laughs) I still don't understand waterfall charts myself. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly, there are two main charts that will meet the requirements of 90% of visualizations. Really? Yeah. I'll go through them both. But the first one is just the trusty bar graph. These are the ones that um, the bars come out from the sides and you read them from top to bottom. Um, Not the ones that look like if you put little windows all over them, they look like a city, you know. That's a column graph. Because in my mind, bar chart is where the bars are horizontal across the the graph. Uh, And a column graph is where those bars, shall I call them, are vertical. Yes. They come up from the x-axis. So I was going to ask, are those two basically interchangeable? No, and it annoys me when people think they are. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Column graphs often get called bar graphs and they're not. They're totally different. Um, (laughs) A bar graph is horizontal, yes. Yep. It kind of reads like a list. And a bar chart will get you through such a massive amount of chart requirements. It is such a heavy lifter when it comes to data viz, honestly. Oftentimes, people think they're a bit boring, they're a bit simple, But I think that's actually why they're so powerful, because they are simple and people understand them. Because you've got to keep in mind that what we're trying to get people to understand is what we're telling them. We're not trying to impress them with our fancy charts. We're trying to get across meaning. Look all sophisticated and fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Simplicity is intelligent and impressive. Mm. So where you would use a bar graph is when you are comparing values. Um, let's say, um, population of countries. Yep. So the country with the highest population, China? China or India? Don't know. The country with the highest population would be at the top, and then the country with the lowest population, assumably Vatican City, would be at the bottom. Yep. And the bars would get progressively shorter as you go down the list. Yep. So you're simply comparing the values between categories, and you can see exactly the difference I can certainly approximate that in my mind. I can see it. Little bars get shorter. It's really visually easy to compare any two, three, four given countries. Yeah. So comparing values. Easy. The other place you would use a bar chart is for category composition. So this is something with a bit more of a finite boundary. Um, For example, expenditure. If you're looking at a budget 
And people often will use a pie graph for this, but a bar graph actually works much better. Right. If we go with the expenditure, the budget example, at the top of the list with the biggest bar, you might have car expenses and then it might be mortgage expenses, groceries, all the way Child down care, to- care, electricity. Yeah. All the, all the things that goes yeah, into yeah. a household budget. So the reason that a bar chart is so good in these instances is because we need to keep in mind how we read- and understands language. And in English, we see lists as generally ordered in order of importance or prominence. So if something's at the top of a list, we naturally perceive it to be the biggest, the most important. Huh. We do too. Because like, need a new car. Yeah, that's top of my list for 2020. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's what you say. Yeah. Huh. There's a natural bias behind the graph that you're actually showing. And you just kind of need to leverage that natural bias because it's going to help with the understanding of the graph that you have. You're really just relying on the education and the intuition of your audience to really quickly interpret this chart rather than sort of having to educate them during a presentation on, here's what this chart means. Yeah, you're using things that they already know, like language. And a simple bar chart. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. All right, so the bar chart. Uh, what was that second chart you said that does 90% of your work for you? Yep, um, the second one. Again, boring, simple. It's the line graph. Huh, right. The the line chart's the one that's just got X, Y axis and a simple line that's sort of... Normally you see it as like... It's always like the typical one that shows like profit and income or whatever yeah. over... Yeah, and it's just a little wiggly line. Sales or, in the first quarter. Or CO2 emissions over the last century. Yeah. That one, yeah. It's interesting because all of the examples that you've given, and it's correct because a line graph is used to trend something over time. Yeah. So if we go back to the podcast listener example again, you can see the number of listeners in January and see how they went each month until December. And then the reason we put a line between all of the data points is because each data point, so each month, say, is connected by a line. Mm. And because it's connected physically by a line, it implies that there's a connection between each point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Which it is, because it's something changing over time. Really makes that definite, yeah. Yeah. As opposed to the the bar graph that we were just talking about, you've got definite categories that are not necessarily related to each other. You're comparing them to each other, but they're not related to each other. Whereas podcast listeners in January are related to the podcast listeners in February. And again... We're looking at how we understand language. So we said with the bar graph, we see order of importance, top to bottom. But time, in English, we perceive from going left to right. Left to right, yeah. We travel across the page in order to see time. That's why calendars go Sunday on the left, Saturday on the right, and they go across the page. Because that is how we perceive time. And again, exactly as I said, you've got to leverage how we naturally read, how we naturally understand visuals. Yeah. So they're the main two, your bar graph and your line graph that you can get so much use out of. Of course, there's so many more options for graphs. You've got waterfall graphs, column charts, stacked bars, area graphs, so many. But really, such a large percentage of data sets is going to fit nicely into a bar or a line graph. So what I'm hearing is the bar and the line chart, I think... Even in like primary school mathematics, those graphs were introduced to us. Like we've just all been so exposed to them and they exploit how we sort of internalize those visuals anyway. So really just using those arguably simplistic graphs is is the quickest and easiest way to visualize a lot of this data. Yeah. 
So if I understand correctly, if we're making comparison between different categories, we're going to use a bar chart. And if we're showing some sort of trend over time or over a constant, it's going to be a line chart. Yeah. All right. I know which chart I'm going to use. I'm all like juiced up and excited. <laughs> now can I open Excel and smash that chart button? <sighs> well, then we're kind of back to where we began of you just kind of starting to bang around with your hammer. <laughs> kind of just putting holes in the wall everywhere. <laughs> so so the next step is actually... Uh, 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 uh. The next step. No. <laughs> the next step is getting a piece of paper and a pencil and drawing it. Hey? Yeah, I'm, I'm really serious. You, you sit down, you work out what you want your chart to look like, because the second you hit that graph button, that create chart, create graph button in whatever program, it is going to give you a hundred elements that you do not need. Right. So you literally get a piece of paper and you draw it on your notepad. Put everything there that you need to help your audience understand. Then you can go to your software, your tool, and create your chart. But once you've created your chart, you then get what you've written on paper and you get rid of everything off your software that is not on the paper in front of you. It's really easy to think, oh, I'll just leave that. I'll leave those lines. I'll leave those data points. The extra labels. The extra labels. But you've got to be brutal. You've got to get rid of everything that's not on your paper because your paper is where you've designed, where you've had that proper think about what your audience needs to understand the insight that you're trying to get them to understand. And then you're just leaning on the software to accurately plot that data onto your chosen graph. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Start with, because let's be honest, if I'm going to have to draw a graph, I'm only going to draw the really important bits, all the extra stuff I'm just not going to bother with because... You're only going to draw what you absolutely need. Yeah. That's genius. I like that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We know what data visualization is, taking data, communicating that visually to people. We start with a headline, start with the message and that insight. We put in a bar or a line chart, Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, once we've hand drawn it. So really, what is the benefit of doing data visualization or data presentation better? Why should I be interested in going through this process? Well, when your chart is right and your chart is good, then you're able to use that data, turn it into information and use it to drive better decisions. Because as we said up front, data is used to find a problem or to find an opportunity. And the better that we can communicate these problems or opportunities to others, then the more valuable that we're going to be. That's really the role of an analyst, isn't it? To make sense of all this data and to communicate it so that not, so that not everybody has to you know swim around in an Excel sheet and find those trends or, what did you say, the opportunities and the problems? Yeah. And it's not just the analysts. It's middle management who are going to be presenting to senior management yep. and senior management that are presenting to the board. It goes the whole way up. It doesn't matter what level you are. I believe it's really important to understand data visualization at any of those levels. Yeah, right. This has been genuinely enlightening. I've listened to you, Kate, talk about data visualization, data presentation a lot, and I've still somehow learned from you today. I really hope this is also valuable to anybody listening in exactly how to find the right chart. (laughs) Thanks for listening to today's show. We'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know more, check out presentationboss.com.au slash podcast, where you'll find the show notes for today with links to everything we've discussed. 
If you have any questions about presentations that you'd like us to discuss, get in touch by emailing us at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. We're always happy to hear your thoughts or take suggestions for future episodes. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information of this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend. Have a great week.